Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's poem is Massachusetts to Virginia by John Greenleaf Whittier. John Greenleaf Whittier was both a poet and a strong voice for the abolition of slavery in the years before the Civil War. Like Longfellow, he wrote poems depicting the cruelty of slavery, appealing to the humanity and Christianity of the slaveholders of the South to free those they held in slavery and end the practice of slavery itself as it was being ended throughout the world. Massachusetts to Virginia, though, is a different kind of poem, though expressing firm anti-slavery sentiment. It's a longer poem than I usually share, and following it requires knowledge of the particular circumstances that prompted Whittier to write it, so this episode will be longer than usual. The year is 1842. A man named George Latimer, together with his pregnant wife Rebecca, have escaped from slavery in Virginia and made their way to Boston, where they hoped to live in freedom among the free black population there. As bad luck would have it, George was recognized on the day of his arrival by a man who had worked for his Virginia owner. This man arrived in Boston a few days later and had Latimer arrested for larceny. The jailing of Latimer provoked a hue and cry not just in Boston but throughout Massachusetts, leading to protests, meetings, and eventually a petition with 65,000 signatures demanding the release of Latimer and protection for the couple against being forcibly returned to Virginia. As a result of the petition, a law unofficially called the Latimer Law, or more broadly, the Liberty Law, was passed in Massachusetts that, among other things, forbade any state official from assisting in the arrest and the return to slavery of anyone who had found refuge in Massachusetts. This, in turn, provoked an uproar in Virginia and throughout the South, as the slavers understood full well that safe haven so near their domain would imperil the continuance of slavery in their society. Virginians threatened to take arms against Massachusetts if it didn't renounce its position and return the Latimers to their enslavement in Virginia. This, in turn, prompted Whittier to write Massachusetts to Virginia as the answer of Massachusetts to these bellicose threats. It is an answer both of defiance and disdain. Whittier, a Quaker, doesn't threaten back, but rather declares that the men of Massachusetts aren't about to be intimidated by childish threats, but will go about their business as unintimidated men of strong convictions. I say men rather than citizens because one of the admirable features of Massachusetts to Virginia is its declaration of true manhood. When discussing Longfellow's poetry, I emphasize his belief that masculinity needs the feminine element, which my students, much concerned with what they call toxic masculinity, find attractive, as do I. But the danger is in thus thinking that masculinity is itself toxic, as if toxic masculinity is not just one form masculinity can take, but is the only form of masculinity when untempered by the feminine. I think this view is mistaken. 
Massachusetts to Virginia is a thoroughly masculine poem, but a masculinity of strength and justice such as any woman might make her own. Let's listen. Massachusetts to Virginia by John Greenleaf Whittier The blast from freedom's northern hills upon its southern way bears greetings to Virginia from Massachusetts Bay. No words of hearty challenging, nor battle bugles peal, nor steady tread of marching files, nor clang of horsemen's steel. No trains of deep-mouthed cannon along our highways go. Around our silent arsenals untrodden lies the snow. And to the land breeze of our ports, upon their errands far, a thousand sails for commerce swell, but none are spread for war. We hear thy threats, Virginia. Thy stormy words in high swell harshly on the southern winds which melt along our sky. Yet not one brown hard hand forgoes its honest labor here. No hewer of our mountain oaks suspends his axe in fear. Wild are the waves that lash the reefs along St. George's bank. Cold on the shore of Labrador, the fog lies white and dank. Through storm and wave and blinding mist, stout are the hearts which man the fishing smacks of Marblehead, the sea boats of Cape Ann. The cold north light and wintry sun glare on their icy forms, bent grimly over their straining line or wrestling with the storms. Free as the wind they drive before, rough as the waves they roam, they laugh to scorn the slaver's threat against their rocky home. What means the old dominion? Hath she forgot the day when o'er her conquered valleys swept the Britain's steel array? How side by side with sons of hers the Massachusetts men encountered Tarleton's charge of fire and stout Cornwallis then? Forget she how the Bay State, in answer to the call of her old house of Burgesses, spoke out from Fannel Hall, when echoing back her Henry's cry came pulsing on each breath of northern winds the thrilling sounds of liberty or death. What asks the old dominion, if now her sons have proved false to their father's memory, false to the faith they loved? If she can scoff at freedom and its great charter spurn, must we of Massachusetts from truth and duty turn? We hunt your bondsmen flying from slavery's hateful hell. Our voices at your bidding take up the bloodhound's yell. We gather at your summons above our father's graves from freedom's holy altar horns to tear your wretched slaves. Thank God. Not yet so vilely can Massachusetts bow. The spirit of her early time is with her even now. Dream not because her pilgrim blood moves slow and calm and cool. She thus can stoop her chainless neck, a sister's slave and tool. All that a sister state should do, all that a free state may. Heart, hand, and purse we proffer as in our early day. But that one loathsome burden ye must stagger with alone and reap the bitter harvest which ye yourselves have sown.
Hold while ye may your struggling slave, and burden God's free air with women's shriek beneath the lash and manhood's wild despair. Cling closer to the cleaving curse that writes upon your plains, the blasting of almighty wrath against the land of chains. Still shame your gallant ancestry, the cavaliers of old, by watching round the shambles where human flesh is sold. Gloat o'er the newborn child and count his market value when the maddened mother's cry of woe shall pierce the slaver's den. Lower than plummet soundeth, sink Virginia's name. Plant, if you will, your father's graves with rankest weeds of shame. Be, if ye will, the scandal of God's fair universe. We wash our hands forever of your sin and shame and curse. A voice from lips whereon the coal from freedom's shrine hath been thrilled as but yesterday the hearts of Berkshire's mountain men. The echoes of that solemn voice are sadly lingering still in all our sunny valleys on every windswept hill. And when the prowling man-thief came hunting for his prey, Beneath the very shadow of Bunker's shaft of gray, how through the free lips of the sun the Father's warning spoke, how from its bonds of trade and sect the pilgrim city broke. A hundred thousand right arms were lifted up on high, a hundred thousand voices sent back their loud reply. Through the thronged towns of Essex the startling summons rang, and up from bench and loom and wheel her young mechanics sprang. The voice of free, broad Middlesex, of thousands as of one, the shaft of bunker calling to that of Lexington. From Norfolk's ancient villages, from Plymouth's rocky bound, to where Nantucket feels the arms of ocean close her round. From rich and rural Worcester, where through the calm repose of cultured vales and fringing wood the gentle Nashua flows, to where Wachusett's wintry blast the mountain larches stir, swelled up to heaven the thrilling cry of God save Latimer. And Sandy Barnstable rose up, wet with the salt sea spray, and Bristol sent her answering shout down Narragansett Bay. Along the broad Connecticut, Old Hampton felt the thrill, and the cheer of Hampshire's woodmen swept down from Holyoke Hill. The voice of Massachusetts, of her free sons and daughters, deep calling unto deep aloud, the sound of many waters. Against the burden of that voice, what tyrant power can stand? No fetters in the Bay State, no slave upon her land. Look to it well, Virginians. In calmness we have borne and answered to our faith and trust your insult and your scorn. You've spurned our kindest counsels. You've hunted for our lives and shaken round our hearths and homes your manacles and jives. We wage no war. We lift no arm. We fling no torch within the fire dams of the quaking mind beneath your soil of sin. We leave ye with your bondmen to wrestle while ye can with the strong upward tendencies and godlike soul of man. But for us and for our children, the vow which we have given 
for freedom and humanity is registered in heaven. No slave hunt on our borders, no pirate on our strand, no fetters in the Bay State, no slave upon our land. Poetry is a marriage of sound and sense. We don't care what a newspaper story sounds like. We care about the information it carries. But the sound of poetry matters a great deal, its rhythm, its sonority. It's possible for a poem to be all rhythm and sonority, Jabberwocky comes to mind, but usually the meaning of the words do matter, and a poem is best when its sound and sense are one. Such is the case with Massachusetts to Virginia. The vigor and adamantine resolve of the citizens of Massachusetts is matched by the vigor and strength of its sound, which has few equals in English verse. Listen to the fourth stanza as but one example of the force of pure sound inseparable from the place names and climate and character of Massachusetts, the broad New England vowels and hard New England consonants. Wild are the waves that lash the reefs along St. George's bank. Cold on the shore of Labrador, the fog lies white and dank. Through storm and wave and blinding mist, Stout are the hearts which man, the fishing smacks of Marblehead, the sea boats of Cape Ann. The fishing smacks of Marblehead. One needn't even know exactly what a fishing smack is to feel the force of this half line, that the men of Massachusetts aren't the sort that will back down. Whittier uses the place names of Massachusetts throughout the poem, Nantucket, Worcester, Barnstable, Hampton and Holyhoke, Bunker and Lexington, Norfolk and Plymouth and Wachusett, to similar effect. So too the climate and occupations of New England, the contrast between the brown hard hands and honest labor of New England men and the white dandified hands of Virginia men whose hard labor is done by slaves, is implicit but more forceful for that. Winter and cold and ice form a toughness that the warm South cannot muster, and the variety of place names and occupations carry a further significance. It isn't just liberal Boston that stands for the rights of the black woman and man. It's the cod fisherman and lumberjack and farmer, the tradesmen and mechanics of villages and towns, of cultured villages and gentle vales and wild mountains, some perhaps who've never seen a black man or woman, but who put human freedom before their own ease. Let's listen again to the sound and thought and force of Massachusetts to Virginia. Massachusetts to Virginia by John Greenleaf Whittier the blast from freedom's northern hills upon its southern way bears greetings to Virginia from Massachusetts Bay. No words of hearty challenging, nor battle bugles peal, nor steady tread of marching files, nor clang of horsemen's steel. No trains of deep-mouthed cannon along our highways go. Around our silent arsenals untrodden lies the snow and to the land breeze of our ports upon their errands far, a thousand sails for commerce swell 
but none are spread for war. We hear thy threats, Virginia, thy stormy words and high, swell harshly on the southern winds which melt along our sky. Yet not one brown hard hand forgoes its honest labor here. No hewer of our mountain oaks suspends his axe in fear. Wild are the waves that lash the reefs along St. George's bank. Cold on the shore of Labrador, the fog lies white and dank. Through storm and wave and blinding mist, stout are the hearts which man the fishing smacks of Marblehead, the sea boats of Cape Ann. The cold north light and wintry sun glare on their icy forms, bent grimly o'er their straining line or wrestling with the storms. Free as the wind they drive before, rough as the waves they roam, they laugh to scorn the slaver's threat against their rocky home. What means the old dominion? Has she forgot the day when o'er her conquered valleys swept the Britain's steel array? How side by side with sons of hers, the Massachusetts men, encountered Tarleton's charge of fire and stout Cornwallis then? Forget she how the Bay State, in answer to the call of her old house of Burgesses, spoke out from Fanel Hall, when echoing back her Henry's cry came pulsing on each breath of northern winds the thrilling sounds of liberty or death. What asks the old dominion, if now her sons have proved false to their father's memory, false to the faith they loved, if she can scoff at freedom and its great charter spurn, must we of Massachusetts from truth and duty turn? We hunt your bondmen flying from slavery's hateful hell. Our voices at your bidding take up the bloodhound's yell. We gather at your summons above our father's grave from freedom's holy altar horns to tear your wretched slaves. Thank God, not yet so vilely can Massachusetts bow. The spirit of her early time is with her even now. Dream not because her pilgrim blood moves slow and calm and cool. She thus can stoop her chainless neck, a sister's slave and tool. All that a sister state should do, all that a free state may, heart, hand, and purse we proffer as in our early day. But that one loathsome burden ye must stagger with alone and reap the bitter harvest which ye yourselves have sown. Hold while ye may your struggling slave and burden God's free air with women's shriek beneath the lash and manhood's wild despair. Cling closer to the cleaving curse that writes upon your plains the blasting of almighty wrath against a land of chains. Still shame your gallant ancestry, the cavaliers of old, by watching round the shambles where human flesh is sold. Gloat o'er the newborn child and count his market value when the maddened mother's cry of woe shall pierce the slaver's den. Lower than plummet soundeth, sink the Virginia name. Plant, if ye will, your father's graves with rankest weeds of shame. Be, if ye will, the scandal of God's fair universe. We wash our hands forever of your sin 
and shame and curse. A voice from lips whereon the coal from freedom's shrine hath been thrilled as but yesterday the hearts of Berkshire's mountain men. The echoes of that solemn voice are sadly lingering still in all our sunny valleys on every windswept hill. And when the prowling man-thief came hunting for his prey, beneath the very shadow of Bunker's shaft of gray, how through the free lips of the sun the father's warning spoke, how from its bond of trade and sect the pilgrim city broke. A hundred thousand right arms were lifted up on high, a hundred thousand voices sent back their loud reply. Through the thronged towns of Essex the startling summons rang, and up from bench and loom and wheel her young mechanics sprang. The voice of free, broad Middlesex, of thousands as of one, the shaft of bunker calling to that of Lexington. From Norfolk's ancient villages, from Plymouth's rocky bound, to where Nantucket feels the arms of ocean close her round. From rich and rural Worcester, where through the calm repose of cultured vales and fringing woods the gentle Nashua flows, to where Wachusett's wintry blast the mountain larches stir, swelled up to heaven the thrilling cry of, God save Latimer. And Sandy Barnstable rose up, wet with the salt sea spray, and Bristol sent her answering shout down Narragansett Bay. Along the broad Connecticut, Old Hampton felt the thrill, and the cheer of Hampshire's woodsmen swept down from Holyoke Hill. The voice of Massachusetts, of her free sons and daughters, deep calling unto deep, the sound of many waters. Against the burden of that voice, what tyrant power shall stand? No fetters in the Bay State, no slave upon her land. Look to it well, Virginians. In calmness we have borne, in answer to our faith and trust, your insult and your scorn. You've spurned our kindest counsels, you've hunted for our lives, and shaken round our hearths and homes your manacles and jives. We wage no war, we lift no arm, we fling no torch within the fire dams of the quaking mine beneath your soil of sin. We leave ye with your bondsmen to wrestle while you can with the strong upward tendencies and godlike soul of man. But for us and for our children, the vow which we have given for freedom and humanity is registered in heaven. No slave hunt in our borders, no pirate on our strand, no fetters in the Bay State, no slave upon our land. The two lines that close Massachusetts to Virginia, no slave hunt in our borders, no pirate upon our strand, no fetters in the Bay State, no slave upon our land, are the lines that ring down through the years. But the two lines before them may be the most important. But for us and for our children, the vow which we have given for freedom and humanity is registered in heaven. Both sides in the dispute between Massachusetts and Virginia claim to defend liberty and freedom and denounce the other as a tyrant. In Virginia, 
The cry was that the North was threatening their liberty to determine their own laws, their liberty to own slaves. They denounced President Lincoln as a tyrant when it became clear that the federal protections for the slavers, including the 1850 Fugitive Slave Law that overruled the liberty laws of Massachusetts and other northern states, would eventually be repealed. Six Semper Tyrannus was the cry of John Wilkes Booth after he killed Lincoln. Before him, it was, and still continues to be today, the state motto of Virginia. The state seal showed then, when slavery was the law and practice of the land, and still shows now, virtue with her foot on the neck of fallen tyranny. But freedom and liberty without humanity, the liberty of those with power to oppress those without, is only liberty and freedom for some. Justice in such a society is only justice for some. Within a free society, liberty and freedom must still have limits which laws establish. Where to establish those limits is not always an easy question, though it should have been in this case, but it is a political question to be worked out by sober and unintimidated women and men, such as the Massachusetts men of Massachusetts to Virginia, not decided by those who bellow and threaten loudest that the abolition of slavery in the United States couldn't be achieved through humanity and love, as Whittier hoped, but only through a long and bloody war, while the rest of the world was abolishing it through peaceful consensus, should give Americans pause today as we continue to work toward a more just and less violent union. This is the last of four episodes dedicated to black history. I hope you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the Fireside.